It is Monday, December 5th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The 49ers get a big win, but suffer a big loss. And Dallas stakes their claim to best team in the NFC. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's where you need to know to start your day. San Francisco gets a win but loses Jimmy Garoppolo for the season. The Ravens get a win but lose Lamar Jackson for we don't know. And the Cowboys get an emphatic win with no asterisks. What's the Vegas lead today, Scott? Well, the Vegas lead is going to be uh, the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I apologize for my voice. It's a little early this morning and uh, hasn't really woken you know, up. Tie one on this weekend? Or? No, no. Just uh, you know, sometimes, like, it, it takes me a while to get, get going in the morning. Okay. All and right, I'm just, right. I'm, I didn't sleep well last night, so I'm not like in my sleep. We, we take naps in this business. Yeah. Uh, the voice hasn't woken up yet, but it'll get there. Just needs to exercise a little bit. 49ers win big game, statement game against the Dolphins. A game that the score probably doesn't indicate how close the game was because turnover late, uh, the fumble return for the touchdown at the end of the game makes the game look a little uglier. But kudos to San Francisco for getting a win against a really tough opponent, especially when the first play from scrimmage results in a 75-yard touchdown for Miami. Yeah, I uh, I, I think that Tua thought it would, was just going to be easy after that first play. And for the rest of the game, it looked like Tua just didn't know what he was doing. And and the offense has been fantastic all year. Uh, and it's been, fa- it's been fantastic mostly against subpar defenses. Yesterday, he saw a grown man defense, saw the best defense he's seen all year. And they really, quite frankly, made him look foolish. Uh, the, the turnovers, four turnovers, three of them on Tua. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was just, he looked like... 2021 Tua at times yeah and it was like it didn't really matter who was playing quarterback for the 49ers at that point because the Dolphins could not stop the run and Tua could not get anything going the time of possession split in this game 40 to 20 and and that's even rounding up to 20 Mm -hmm. this was a a lopsided affair uh the 49ers really make a statement here the question is, does it even matter now? Because can you, how far can you go with Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy as your quarterback? So Brock Purdy, 25 of 37, 210 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception was sacked three times coming in to replace the injured Jimmy Garoppolo. And yes, the uh, diagnosis on Jimmy is a broken foot. He is done for the season, and we might never see him in a 49ers uniform again. We can certainly talk to McKenzie about that and get his thoughts on that in just a moment. But as far as what the 49ers can do with Brock Purdy, I think they'll be okay. And this is why I say that. With no disrespect to Jimmy Garoppolo, and I sometimes I feel like the term game manager is thrown around and people say it's disrespectful. Like, oh, you're saying that guy's a trash quarterback, that he's a game manager. No, I think it's honestly a, a term of endearment. It, it, it says something good about you. 
that you can manage a game without making mistakes. And that's all they're going to need Brock Purdy to do is manage the game. This defense is incredible. Christian McCaffrey is incredible. I think the 49ers are going to be just fine. I think the 49ers are, I agree, they're going to be just fine. I do think that this was a team that could have competed for the Super Bowl. I don't know if they're that with Brock Purdy. Like, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is such a good game manager that he he's he's at the level where the rest he can carry the rest of this team yes. a long way. You know, question on Jimmy Garoppolo. Mackenzie, what's your thoughts on this? Is Jimmy G the best game manager of all time? No. No, no, <laughs> no. Listen. What does that even mean? I don't know. Because, Explain. Because look at his win-loss record, right? He's got a better win-loss record in his early time with the 49ers than Joe Montana. Let me introduce you to a man named Troy Aikman. Who made the Hall of Fame as a game manager? He made the Hall of Fame as a game manager. Like All, all he did was hand the ball off to like the, the all-time leading yeah. rusher. And, and throw it to one of the greatest. Yeah, I mean. But, but Jimmy has, has an incredible win-loss record. He's brought his teams to the Super Bowl. But has just managed the game. And, and he's been incredible. It, it, he gets disrespected a lot for... You know who who he is or whatever, because I guess he doesn't make the flashy plays like Patrick Mahomes or anybody else. I, I think he's just got a he's, he's a winner. He's got a very defined ceiling, and there's in in this day and age where we see guys like Patrick Mahomes and yeah, Josh and Allen, Justin Fields. Yep, it's really hard to say. Oh, well, Jimmy Garoppolo can do anything those guys can do because he just can't. But. Jimmy Garoppolo is a, a he ain't key gonna lose in, your football games. He, he's a key in the cog right now, and this 49ers team is the machine, and they, they're so good everywhere. I almost feel bad for them. I, I like because this may have been one of their better chances. Like the, the, the way this team's played the last you know five six weeks, mm-hmm. they look to me. I think they're the best team in the NFC before this happened. Anyway. Uh, and I think they had a good chance to make it to the Super Bowl. Now, I, I think that that ceiling may be a little more capped, but I, I, I do feel well, bad question, for Kyle Shanahan. I feel bad yeah. for this defense because it feels like they were really close. And Jimmy Garoppolo does have um, one of the highest EPAs. McKenzie, what is his uh, EPA numbers? Since 2017, quarterbacks with 500 or more snaps, here are the highest EPAs. Patrick Mahomes, good guy. Drew Brees. Jimmy Garoppolo, very efficient quarterback in his career. He doesn't get enough credit for it. That's what I'm saying. Uh, and, and this is the thing. This is probably where maybe it takes the bigger hit here. The 49ers are 8-4. and four. They are certainly a playoff team. But in order to go to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to win games on the road. Sure. And going maybe to Philadelphia to play the Eagles, going to Minnesota to play the Vikings – if they have to go to Dallas, I don't know how the NFC East is going to shape up, whatever. With Jimmy G, I think they can get it done. Can Brock Purdy go on the road and win a playoff game? That's going to be the big question. And, you know, he'll have, he'll really only have two road starts between now and then one at Seattle, which is a pretty tough place to play, one at here in Vegas, which isn't a real tough place to play. Mm-hmm. But, we're gonna we're gonna find out pretty quick, I think, what what Brock Purdy or what the 49ers look like with Brock Purdy. I, I shouldn't say we're gonna find out what Brock Purdy is. I, I we think know that, what Brock Purdy is. He covered at Iowa State. Yeah, he, a lot of well, covers early in the season. He covered. Yeah, particularly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think I, I I do think that they they're capped 
with him there, but I do think the rest of this team is so good. I'm not willing to count him out because this the, everything about this team except the quarterback feels like it's it's the highest of class. If it's not the 49ers in the NFC, who's the bet to make right now in the NFC? Well, based on what we saw last night, it, it may be the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it, their defense is getting better every week. Uh, the offense is, is dominating with Dak at the helm. Uh, I, I, I mean, really, the only the only loss they had early in the season was to the Eagles. Yeah, and that was when they had Cooper Rush playing. <laughs> I, I mean, this team is a different team right now. And I think I've really embraced the Tony Pollard Zeke Elliott thing. Oh, no doubt. But but I really think the defense is the difference maker. Like they just constantly after the quarterback, constantly ball hawking. It's uh, it's not fun to play that Dallas Cowboys defense right now. Cowboys are the second favorite behind the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously in the NFC, and and in terms of the Super Bowl odds, they're just behind. <laughs> The Philadelphia Eagles. And in that Sunday night football game, uh, 54-19 win for the Cowboys, by the way. That game was 21-19 starting the fourth quarter. Yeah. If you had Colts plus uh, 10, plus 11, whatever you had, you felt pretty good. 33-0 in the fourth quarter. The 33 points the Cowboys scored in the fourth quarter, the second most in an NFL fourth quarter in history. What was the most? 34 by the Detroit Lions. Question. Did the opposing team score against the Lions? I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'd like to know that because 33 nothing. this might be the biggest point differential we've ever seen in, in, a, in a fourth quarter. To get blown out 33 nothing in a fourth quarter is unheard of. And it's, it's crazy how the, the play-by-play played out because after the Cowboys scored a touchdown, they then had the fumble return for a touchdown, an interception by Matt Ryan, three plays later, another touchdown, another interception, and then a touchdown, a fumble, and then a touchdown. The Colts had four turnovers on four consecutive drives that led to four Dallas Cowboy touchdowns, not field goals, touchdowns. That's how you get blown out. 33 nothing in a fourth quarter. Uh, they did score plenty of points in that fourth quarter. So it is the biggest point differential. So uh, that was the Chicago Bears, and that was in 2007. Mm, Rex is our quarterback. <laughs> Actually, I, I think it was – this was a matchup between John Kitna and Brian Greasy. Let's not talk about John Kitna. He's dealing with some <laughs> stuff right now. Yes, he is. Well, he's not. But well, his, he's his hiring lawyers, is. okay? Yeah. He's dealing with stuff. Yeah. Oof, oof, <laughs> oof. Uh, but the Cowboys, just a, a dominant performance. And this was the game. If the game hadn't happened yet where you saw Matt Ryan and you've just kind of felt bad for him mm. and said to yourself, man, it's probably time. Last night was the night that you saw him. And, like, by the way, the Colts quit in that game. Sure. Uh, you know, football's just getting yanked out of wide receivers' hands, and mm-hmm. that's an interception, mm-hmm. which, of course, that's going to fall into the uh, the stat bucket of Matt Ryan, who's, listen, he's got enough bad stats on his own. But it, when, when DBs are just yanking the ball out of your receivers' hands like a bully, uh, it's, there's only so much you can do. But Matt Ryan just can't. He can't hold on to the football. He can't stay upright. It's it's just sad to see that this dude, it wasn't that long ago. This guy was the MVP of the league. Yeah. 
and now he's he's like a relic out there. It's it's really crazy. Real quick, uh, running down the rest of the NFC action. Packers beat the Bears. Aaron Rodgers still owns Chicago. Oh, my gosh. I was surprised to see Justin Fields run as much as he did, given the fact that his shoulder, um, you know, the issue that he dealt with. What's amazing is he did not throw a touchdown pass. Had he done that, he would have become, I believe, the first quarterback to have six straight games with a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. We want to talk about a historic season for a guy that was maybe considered one of the worst quarterbacks in the yeah. NFL. Not quite the case anymore. Lions obliterate the Jaguars. This was a pick that I gave out. Don't understand the Jaguars' love. I thought Trevor Lawrence tore his ACL and was done for the season. After that sack, he came back in in the second it's half. Tough dude. Tough dude. I thought he was done. Uh, and the Lions, really, at home, they are incredible. On the road, maybe not so much. Lions are 5-7 and seven right now. And think about that. Their one loss in the last five games was the Bills. Was the Bills. Yeah. And it was, I mean, the Bills were all out to mm-hmm. beat that team. I mean, this is a team that is really, you know, I, I said scrappy about the Lions. They may be more than that. They, they could be finding something here. Uh, and they are home against the Vikings next week. Mm-hmm. The Vikings are taking the over in that game. Everyone thinks is a phony. This is a good chance for the Lions to really make a statement. Speaking of the Vikings, they barely get by the Jets, 27-22. New York well, had a chance at the end. The Jets had chances all day. They, they got in the red zone goals. all day, settled field for field, field, goals, field, goals, field goals. Couldn't punch it in. And I guess some credit to the Vikings defense for bending and not breaking. Yeah. The, and they had a fourth down stop at the end inside the inside the 10-yard line. So Ooh, Mike White, 57 pass attempts in that game. Mm. He did throw for 369 yards. The Commanders and Giants end in a... Draw because yeah. it's the World Cup, so I'm getting the whole oh, okay. draw thing. You right. know? Yeah, 2020, as both teams had chances both late in the game and in overtime to get into field goal range. Uh, Graham Gano had the time expired, expiring field goal attempt to win the game, and it was just short. Graham Gano, don't you know, for <laughs> the win? What? No. Yeah, no. This one ends in a tie. These two teams will do it again in two weeks. I said early last week, these two teams are basically the same. They're exactly. They're the same. same. (laughs) (laughs) Looking now, though, at the standings. So, how does the tie come into play? Well, look, the NFC East is is, might be the best division in football. They're not going to win. No one's winning the division here between these two teams. But as far as the playoffs are concerned, the Giants are the sixth seed right now, and Washington falls to the eight. So last week, there was the case where the entire NFC East was in the playoffs. This week, because of the Seahawks win and the commanders tie draw, uh, the commanders are now the eighth seed. And uh, as McKenzie points out, 538 says the commanders have a 70% chance to make the playoffs. The Giants... Only a 50% chance. And the Giants have played one less game. They've got one less loss. So that is that is surprising to me that, that this team who, you know, still, I, I guess they've got the Eagles on deck, so that has something to do with it. And Washington I, and, by. and another Eagles game at the end of the season. Yeah, the, the, the Giants' schedule down the stretch is tough. It's two Eagles games at the Commanders, at the Vikings, and then home to the Colts. Speaking so. of the Eagles, 35-10 over your Tennessee Titans, AJ. Yeah, uh, not a good showing for the Titans. They got 
mollywop today, and that's really the first time you've seen a Mike Vrabel team just kind of get punked out, like in a, in a long time. Anyway, mm-hmm. it, it felt like they just weren't they weren't physical enough. They they weren't competitive in in that game, it, and it was surprising to me because that's not what Tennessee football's been the last. I guess even this season, what's felt like a down season, it feels like they haven't been pushed around. I'd like to rewind to the dream preview pod. This week, in which I said A.J. Brown was going to have a day against his former team. Because it's personal for him. They didn't want to pay him. They traded him away instead of paying him. And he had this game circled on his calendar. He was animated after he scored both of those touchdowns. Eight catches, 119 yards, and two scores. Jalen Hurts, 380 passing yards, finishes the week with the most passing yards. Well, we don't know about Monday night yet, but the most here on Sunday. I placed a little prop bet today. I didn't tell you about it. I tweeted it out. If I told you about it, you would have lost because <laughs> I lost anyway. But I said Jared Goff plus 2,200 to have the most passing yards here in week 13. Ooh. He had 340. Oh, Jalen Hurts wasn't enough. Jalen Hurts had 380. Mike White had 369. And kudos to A.J. Brown's replacement in Tennessee, Traylon Burks, who now holds the record for most incredible touchdown while getting knocked out cold. Yes. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Like the fact that he held on to that ball was insane. Like (laughs) that's one of those things where it helps that your body stiffens up when you get knocked out because the football doesn't move. He held on to life. Uh, the, The Rams with John Wolford. At quarterback, took a whole bunch of money. You want to talk about a steam steam move? A lot of people betting the Rams in this game against the Seahawks, and they covered. Seattle got the late touchdown. They win 27-23, but the Rams covered this game. Yeah, this was, and you you know, you mentioned early in the in the uh, broadcast about a guy who was thought to be one of the worst quarterbacks coming into the season in Justin Fields. Geno Smith was also in that discussion. 367 yards. Yeah. And three touchdowns passing for Geno Smith. What a day, uh, including the game winner with under a minute to go. So uh, gutsy performance by the Rams to fight without any real talent on their team this week. Seahawks, like I said, though, just hungry to win these games. Let's go over to the AFC where the biggest story right now is Lamar Jackson's health and what is going on with this Baltimore Ravens team who narrowly escaped with a 10-9 win over the Broncos in one of the more boring, ugly games you'll ever watch. Tyler Huntley with a two-yard rush in the closing seconds as the Ravens win 10-9 and even had to escape a Brandon McManus long field goal attempt for the win as he came up Graham Gano just yeah. short yeah this was a uh, this was a weird game because it like part of me is I, I told you guys the the Ravens they're just not the same right now well if you told me that Lamar Jackson wasn't going to play for you know 80 percent of the game we would have hammered Denver uh, of course I would have said that but I, I just I, I don't feel great about the way this Ravens team has looked lately and yesterday was yet another example and the Broncos, this is what this team does. The, the Broncos are a bad football team. Let's just let's start with that point. Russell Wilson's not. Yeah, uh, we talk about him every week, but he's just he's a shell of himself. They're hard to blow out, though. I, I mean, their their defense is going to be so good that it's gonna it's just hard to run away from that team. They they are a uh, they're a feisty underdog because their defense is going to keep them you in games. You know what's funny? It's, it's like last year we would have said the same thing. The Broncos are a head coach and a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. And what they do? They went out and got a head coach. They went out and got a quarterback. 
And, and they, now they stink their head even coach more. quarterback away from being a good football team. Somehow they're worse. <laughs> uh, the Browns win in Deshaun Watson's debut, 27-14 over the Texans. However, they do not score an offensive touchdown. Well, how'd they get 27, Scott? They had a punt return for a touchdown. They had... What, a fumble return for a touchdown and an interception, and an interception return? return yep. The holy trinity of defensive touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Deshaun Watson looked bad, which no surprise. Like, And I'm sure there were people who were rushing to get Deshaun Watson in their fantasy lineups, rushing to get Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, uh, prop bets over. I played the Browns as my defense. Uh, well, yeah, good call. Um, but the Texans' defense held up well for a good chunk of this game. I, I, they, they were... The, the defense kept them in it, but Kyle Allen is so bad. And the, the Texans' playmaking or play-calling decisions are so bad. Like, they, that's another team that got to third and goal from the one and did not run one play for Damian Pierce. Instead, tried two passes. The fourth to – or the second pass was to a, on fourth down to a converted linebacker who, like, that's if that's your best play call on fourth down – at the one, you shouldn't be a coach in the NFL. You know what's going to happen? Texans end up with the number one overall pick, and they're going to screw it up and take, like, Will Levis instead of, like, Bryce Young. Yeah, I could see that. You know, and then it's like he becomes a bust. He's just like Davis Mills. And then Bryce Young goes to, uh, I don't know, who needs a credit. He'll, he'll go, go, go to, go to New Lions. England. He'll go to the Lions, <laughs> and the Lions will be a Super Bowl team. Or, or he'll go to, uh, somewhere. I don't know. Anyway, um, let's keep going down the AFC and talk about the biggest game of the day. Raiders? No, no, no. <laughs> Chiefs and Bengals, a rematch of the AFC championship game. The Bengals win again. Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. Joey Burrow. Owns the Chiefs and Joe Burrow, 286 and two touchdowns. The Bengals' run game was strong, even without Joe Mixon. Jamar Chase, seven catches, 97 yards. Uh, it, it was just, they, it, there's something about this matchup that Joe Burrow loves uh, and had, had great success with once again. Patrick Mahomes, a, a meh day. It's at one of those days where you look at his QBR and it was over 90. But he threw for 223 yards and one touchdown. Like, it's not what you hope for from Patrick Mahomes. It's not the recipe for Patrick Mahomes to win football games. So uh, what this also does is it drops the Chiefs down to second place in the standings. The Buffalo Bills now back in control and really control their own destiny once again to be the one seed Mm -hmm. in the AFC because they've got wins over all these division leaders in the AFC uh, with the exception of Cincinnati, who they'll play late in the season. Joe Burrow has to be, and I know, I think Geno's got a great record. A couple other quarterbacks have great ATS records. But in Joe Burrow's last 19 starts, 16-3 and three ATS. Pretty wild. All this dude does is win. All this dude does is cover. Bengals right now looking great. Mackenzie, what's the updated odds in the AFC North? The Bengals are catching up, plus 145, or second to the Ravens at minus 160. An hour ago, here at DraftKings looking at it, it was Ravens minus 175, Bengals plus 155. So it's tightened as we record the show. Would you make the bet on the Bengals right now, AJ? It's hard not to. Uh, It's hard not to, given that there's really an uncertainty when it comes to Lamar Jackson. Because if, if you don't have Lamar Jackson... 
what are we even talking about here? Well, if both teams play, if both teams maintain the same record, it'll come down to the final game of the season to determine who wins the division. The problem is, is that the tiebreaker, if they split the head-to-head, is going to be divisional record. And the Ravens right now are 2-0 and in the division. The Bengals are 1-3 and in the division. Hmm. So unless the Ravens are going to lose two division games prior to the Bengals beating them on the final game of the season, the Ravens really have the leg up in the division. That being said, the Ravens do play the Steelers twice. Yeah. And Pittsburgh right now is looking at the possibility. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record. And the Steelers just won again. They're now 5-7. and And they got Ravens without Lamar Jackson. Panthers, Raiders, Ravens again. And then the Browns. Can Mike Tomlin do this? Can he avoid the dreaded first losing season? I I I don't know that he can. I, their hole may have been dug too deep before he started this thing, but it wouldn't shock me. I, if they can find a way to work a tie-in, I could see it happening. But they've got both games with the Ravens. They've got the Panthers, the Raiders, yeah. and the Browns. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, none of those games are unwinnable, particularly if Lamar Jackson's not playing. Yeah. I could see it happening. That would be that would just be an incredible story given how the season their, started. Their defense is totally different. Yeah. Totally different with TJ Watt out there. And right now, Pittsburgh favored by a point and a half hosting the Ravens next week. Without Lamar Jackson. Yeah. yeah. So uh the Raiders beat the Chargers 27-20. Boy, you want to talk about owning a team. This game kind of felt like last year's season finale that kept the Chargers out of the playoffs and put the Raiders into the playoffs. And Derek Carr and company, another team that the season started out poorly, they've won three straight games now, feeling pretty good about themselves. Yeah, they have to be. And the Chargers fall to 6-6. and They're back in. Like, this was a chance for them to get out of desperation mode and to kind of, like, get their footing a little bit. And they just can't seem to put together, you know, two good performances in a row. And the fact that they they were in it to the very end against the Niners and the Chiefs, and then to look like this against the Raiders has got to be disappointing for that team. Dolphins, Titans, Colts, Rams, Broncos to finish out the uh, the string here for the Chargers while they're sitting at six and six. I think three and two probably gets you in. Okay, I, I think there will be a, a nine and nine and set or a nine mm-hmm. and eight team make mm-hmm. the playoffs. Uh, but this was certainly one that they would have liked to have. Monday Night Football will wrap things up here in Week 13. The Bucks hosting the Saints in a game they seem to lose every year. Yeah, it's funny that, you know, we talk about in the NFC West, this happens a lot. There's just styles make fights, matchups where, you know, the the, the Cardinals can't figure out the Rams. The, the Rams can't figure out the 49ers. 49ers can't figure out the Seahawks. It's, it's always like a, 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 a weird game like that. Brady did get over the hump, though, in week two. But still, the Saints are 4-1, and one, both straight up and ATS against the Bucks in the That's regular correct. season. Yeah, and a plus 14 ATS margin <laughs> on average. So uh, that, is, that is a one-sided affair so far since he's been there. Uh, and the Saints defense playing good ball right now. Uh, to me, this I don't know about you, this feels like an under game to me. Uh, it feels like both offenses have, have been struggling. 
Uh, both defenses have been kind of the, the I guess, the stronger side uh, of their team. So, but with the Saints offense sputtering the way it has lately, it, like they're just, they can't get to two touchdowns in games. It's hard for me to want to back the Saints completely. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to probably be on the under and hope that that just takes care of things, you know, for the Saints. Tampa Bay is the second best under team in football. The Bucks are nine and two to the under this year. Nine and two to yeah. the under. Well, this six is a Tom of, Brady team, of course. Everybody thinks they're going to score. Six of their last seven games have failed to go over 40 points. Yeah. The best under team is the Denver Broncos, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, but by the way, the Saints, the Saints have gone under four of the last five. So maybe, again, you're you're talking about you're getting down to pretty low numbers uh, when you're talking about you know, totals in the 40s, like the the low 40s, 41, 40 and a half. Uh, but like I like said, the 41 Bucks, about everywhere right now. Six of the last seven games for the Bucks haven't topped 40 points. Yeah. So uh, under could be the way to go. Are we doing a bozo dumbo? Uh, teaser? No, I, I, I won't because it, the uh, there's no key number to go through. Yeah, yeah. but it, that is, I mean, it's not the worst idea in the world to be honest. Cash Saint, last week, Saints in the under. What's that, McKenzie? Cash last week. It did the Dumbo part. The Dumbo, uh, <laughs> the, the Dumbo, Dumbo teaser. teaser did cash last week. I do, I'm not I'm not ballsy enough to uh, to put the Come Dumbo Saint, the Dumbo record on the line. Saint, Saints nine and a half and under. 46. No, that's too How does it lose? That's How does it that's lose? too Dumbo for me. <laughs> that might you can do that one. Explain that to Fez. I don't want any part of it. I'll do it, but just don't tell him. <laughs> I don't want any part of it. Well, AJ, the college football playoffs are set. Georgia, number one, no surprise. Michigan, number two. TCU, despite the loss in the Big 12 title game, stays at number three. And Ohio State gets into the playoffs at number four, just ahead of Alabama. I don't agree with this. I'm curious what your take is. Um, my take is I'm more, I, again, I I have fought this battle on Twitter all, all weekend. I don't know that I really so want I. to go with it too deep. I, I think TCU losing to Kansas State, that should have just been it. Like the fact that TCU. Oh, you think TCU should not be in? I don't. Wow, okay. I, I this mean, is interesting. I think if you're in the Big 12, which, mm -hmm. let's face it, is is down this year. There's, There's only, the, you can only well, say it's down. Okay. Oklahoma's bad. The, the team that's carried this pro or that's uh, the, that conference for the last couple of years is is bad. Yep. Baylor, which is another team that's carried them, is not great. Mm -hmm. Texas is not great. There's a lot of average teams in the Big 12. You, you put your non-conference schedule was. Colorado, yeah, like the worst Power Five team in the country, SMU and a and a D two school, it it just didn't feel like that was the kind of resume that would that you could go into your last game and say, well, doesn't matter if we win or lose, we're in so, no matter what. I kind of agree with you in in one way, and that is in defending against everyone's main argument why TCU should get in. Well, TCU's only loss is to Kansas State, a team that is now number nine in the country. Mm -hmm. My rebuttal to that would be Kansas State is only number nine because they beat TCU. Yeah. 
If they lose that Kansas, game, they're a four-loss team. If they, yeah, right. If they lose that game, they are a four-loss team. And eight and four, Texas is number twenty. That's generous. Yeah. So if you're telling me, you know, nine and four, Kansas State is number twenty, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? That kind of makes sense. We'll put nine and four, Kansas, as number twenty. So don't tell me. TCU's only loss was to the ninth best team in the country. No, no. The only reason why they're number nine is because they beat TCU. And I got a lot of, well, Alabama didn't, they they played cupcakes because they played Austin P out of conference. But that's every year. The SEC does that because the SEC is the toughest conference. And TCU handled Texas better than Alabama did, which that's true. That's true. Alabama played Texas out of conference, though. And I mean, TCU's best out of. they were like, well, Louisiana Monroe is a bad non-conference. Louisiana Monroe would be favored by a touchdown on a neutral against Colorado. That's how bad Colorado <laughs> was. Like, TCU's schedule was an absolute joke. My biggest issue is that the game didn't matter. The game didn't matter. The Big 12 championship game didn't well, matter. get ready for it because when you have a uh, college football playoff expansion, None of these games are matter. Right. I don't even think, why do, Why even play conference championship games? Well, and also, like the idea that Ohio State didn't even, like, TCU didn't drop below Ohio State. I know. Ohio State loses. But you know why? Ohio State loses by three touchdowns at home in the last game, and they still get into the playoffs. Yeah. But the reason why is they didn't want to have a rematch. They didn't want to play Ohio State and Michigan again because we just saw that. No thanks. I, don't, I, I think that anybody who is thinking that, you know, Michigan TCU is going to be a really good game. Maybe in for some disappointment. Alabama deserves to be in the playoff. If you're asking what the four best teams are in college football, Alabama is one of them. Alabama would be favored over every team except for Georgia. And like I keep saying it, Alabama's only losses were by a two-point conversion in overtime at Death Valley and a Less. walk-off field goal. At, at Neyland Stadium. Here's my here's my issue with that though, and this is where I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. Tennessee's got two losses. Yeah, they beat Alabama head to head. Yes, I mean I know that Hinden Hooker's not there, but do you punish the entire can't Alabama? Lose, do you can't lose the, by nearly thirty to South Carolina? But you you can't put a team in that that two two loss teams and one beat one head to head. I guess that's fair. I guess that's the argument here. Uh, to it's, me, the argument would be on the other side though. No Hinden Hooker. I don't want to see Tennessee in the right. playoff because I right. know how that ends. But you know what the committee did here? And maybe it's setting the standard that no two-loss team has ever made the playoffs. And, and it's as simple as that. It's as simple as they sat in that room and they said, we have two undefeated teams and we have two one-loss teams. Conversation should end right then and there, right? Like if you look around college football, And let's just take the best records. Well, the four best records are the four playoff teams. Yeah. And it's as simple as that. Forget about resume. Forget about who beat who. You just run through your season. Give me the four best records. And we have two undefeated teams and two one-loss teams. I will say this. If we were at the old system with the BCS, I'd be perfectly happy with it. Can we just two teams? Can we Georgia and yeah. Michigan for the championship? Yeah, this is and this is really an incentive to not play a good non-conference schedule. Like if this is if that's what it's going to boil down to is whoever's got the best record at the end of the season yeah. is going to get in. Yeah. Don't bother playing Texas in your non-conference. Don't bother play, playing Georgia, playing Oregon. Like what's the point of that? Oh, look at Oregon. You think if if Oregon didn't play Texas this year, right? Or excuse me, Georgia this year, 
they would have had they would have had one loss by three points to Washington going into that Oregon State game. Might have been a little different Maybe. outcome. Well, who knows? But why Why would Utah play Florida at Florida? Like yeah. they, there's just no incentive for it when basically. If you win, you're in no matter what. So why not? Why not play Colorado yep. every year? And why well, not? Why not play SMU and Furman, whoever it is? It's ideal. Yep. So here's what we know: we got the bowl, uh, the Peach Bowl, Ohio State and Georgia, where Georgia is a six and a half point favorite, and the Fiesta Bowl, TCU and Michigan. Michigan is a nine point favorite. Early leans. Uh, I, I lean to both favorites. So do I. Uh, but the the NCAA championship winner now, Georgia minus 130, Michigan plus 280, Ohio State plus 360, TCU plus 1,800. Georgia's winning this thing. You're invited to the dance, though. Georgia's right? winning this thing. And that's honestly, that's why I said I'm going to stop arguing with people about who's getting in because mm-hmm. I don't think any of it matters. It really feels like it would take a – some sort of a catastrophic event for Georgia not to win the national championship. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the college football playoff this year is on New Year's Eve. Just so people are aware, it's on December 31st, so you get the two playoff games. Also on December 31st, we will see the Sugar Bowl, Alabama against Kansas State. We just had a TCU-Kansas State game. and Again, I'm not arguing with the spreads anymore, but we just had a TCU-Kansas State game that the line flipped, and, and we were worried about who should be favored over who on a neutral field. And now we're sitting here with Alabama as nearly a touchdown favorite. Over TCU? So. Well, uh, over Kansas State. Over Kansas State. Uh, here's here's what I'd warn about that line with Alabama. I wouldn't expect Bryce Young to play. I wouldn't expect mm-hmm. a lot of Alabama players to play. Because Happens all the time. They're not in the playoff. Yeah. Their next job is very lucrative, and there's probably a lot of first-rounders got to be ready, getting ready to make that first round money. Yep. Rest of the New Year's Six Orange Bowl will be Tennessee at, against the Clemson. And that- oh, boy. That'll be exciting. Oh, what's what's the matter? Why don't? Why aren't you excited about that? Uh, Tennessee with with no Hinton Hooker against Clemson with no offense. No yeah. thanks. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah all right. not into the Clemson game against the against the Tennessee. That's fine. Well, Clemson is a four and a half point favorite. Uh, there is no New Year's Day games this year. What? Yeah. No is New, New Year's, Year's Day. Day. Is New Year's Day on a Sunday? Yes, it is. That's why. So oh, good the, call. The NFL will play on New Year's Day, meaning we get a Monday, January 2nd, parentheses, New Year's Day observed for the <laughs> Rose Bowl, which will be Utah and Penn State. What's the line in that game? Couple books put up lines. Utah is either a minus one favorite or it's a pick em with Penn State. The granddaddy of them all. Oh, yes. Feels very granddaddy ish. Uh, Utah's probably going to have those cool. Rose helmets in yeah. the uh, in the W there for Utah Utes. That's cool. Uh, the Cotton Bowl will feature USC against Tulane. Congratulations to the Wave, your group My of guys. five champions. Willie Fritz, what a job there. What's the line in USC Tulane, Mac? Shop around again. USC minus one or Pickham versus Tulane. Coach Prime is in the Rocky Mountains. Deion Sanders, the new head coach at Colorado, and AJ. He is going to have an impact. Deion Sanders did an incredible job at Jackson State. He did an incredible job recruiting. And in this world of NIL and essentially 
college football free agency, right, where players are transferring and don't really have to sit out a year, especially, you know, the coach leaves and all this stuff, all these waivers. I think Dion has an immediate impact I, at I, Colorado. I don't see why not. I, I And not to mention – He's bringing a quarterback with him that oh, won, won 12 games this year. He's where... bringing a lot more than that. This was Dion's first address to his team at Colorado. We got a few positions already taken care of because I'm bringing my luggage with me. And it's Louie. I'm cutting. It ain't going to be no more of the mess that these wonderful fans, the student body, and some of your parents have put up with for... Probably two decades now. I'm coming. And when I get here, it's gonna be changed. So I want y'all to get ready to go ahead and jump in that portal and do whatever you're gonna get. Because the more you jump in, the more room you make. Because we bring kids that are smart. Say that smart. Smart. Tough. Tough. He basically told the team to go ahead and jump in the portal because he's bringing guys. And so if you don't want to be there, get out because he's bringing guys with him. I like it. And this is a team that had five different uh, quarterbacks playing during this 2022 season where they went one and 11. Uh, there's obviously a, a, a great need for a massive overhaul. Uh, bringing in Sh- Shador Sanders is going to be a, a good start for that. Um, but I, I do think prime is going to bring in some, some talent to Colorado, the, the kind of talent that they haven't gotten in a, in a good while. So uh, I don't know how fast it is, how, how fast of a turnaround he can make it at You know, this, this isn't the FCS level there. There it is. It does take a little bit of time to build a program, but I think that when you get high grade talent, it makes it a lot easier to, to build a program. We got a few positions taken care of. It's amazing that he says that. Uh, this is bringing the, my luggage with. Me. The, well, it's not just his son, the quarterback. Uh, Dion also teased that Travis is coming with. You know, meaning Travis Hunter, the number one overall recruit who was going to go to Jackson, Jackson State, getting the number one overall recruit in the country. I mean, you know, it's nil, man. Oh, you mean? Almost getting. Almost getting, exactly. <laughs> he flipped his commitment from Florida State to Jackson State, and now the five-star cornerback will be headed to Colorado with Coach Prime. So, Colorado, we're going to have to be on this team's win total maybe next season. Yeah. We got some action in the NBA and on the ice tonight, in addition to Monday Night Football. So let's get to a Monday evening look ahead. Let's start in the NBA. The L.A. Clippers minus two and a half. The Clippers supposedly getting close to healthy, which has been the story I've been hearing for like the last three years. So it'll be really fun when that happens. But right now, two and a half point favorites at the Hornets tonight. The Bucks minus nine at the Orlando Magic. Celtics one point favorites at the Raptors. The Thunder catching six at the Hawks. The Miami Heat two point dogs to the Grizzlies. Sixers, seven-point favorites on the road in Houston. Suns, plus three at the Mavericks. And the Indiana Pacers, plus nine at the Golden State Warriors. What's happening on the ice? On the ice, the Bruins will host the Golden Knights. Boston, minus 170 with a total of six. Boston, not only with the league's best record at 20 wins and three losses, but they are the only undefeated team on home ice this season. 14-0. 
at TD Garden. The Rangers will host the Blues, New York, minus 170 with a total of six. Avalanche are at the Flyers, Colorado, minus 210, total of six. Capitals visit the Oilers, Edmonton, minus 155, total six and a half. Flames host the Coyotes, Calgary, your biggest favorite of the night, minus 350 with a total of six. And the Canucks host the Canadiens, Vancouver, minus 195, total of six and a half. If you would like to hop on board for any daily package, maybe for tonight's games, college basketball, NBA, NHL, Monday Night Football, head over to pregame.com and check what's available. Click on the buy picks, click on the pregame pros, and find your favorite pregame pro and take 15% off on us here at SOVAM. Use the promo code EARLY15. That's early. How early? As early as you're waking up with us to listen to this podcast. We appreciate you for waking up early with us and for uh, bearing with my voice as I woke up early and didn't really sleep last night. And like I said, we take naps in this business. We don't really get full nights of sleep. So early 15 is the code. Use that at pregame.com. E-A-R-L-Y 15. Use it in a sentence. I woke up early this morning. Early. From the Latin early. Which means early. From <laughs> Earl. From Earl. The Duke of Early, who yeah. was always ahead of his time. We're the Duke of Early this morning. <laughs> for, for Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of it. Hey, yeah. <laughs>